We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Tuesday edition of the RotoWire NFL podcast, of course, brought to you by our friends at Circus Sports. We're talking top 10 risers in terms of NFFC ADP, but obviously as you're gearing up, for your friends and family drafts, you might have the ESPNs, the Yahoos, the My Fantasy League sleepers, lots of different ADP on each one of those sites. And I think this year, more than ever, the ADP seems to be tumultuous. We're going to be going over all of that uh, and what those biggest risers might be, how we might be able to help you identify the guys you need to reach on because others might be looking at that same ADP. And obviously, plenty of news and notes that occurred over week two preseason action, uh, some running back tidbits i should i should, uh, I should say uh in terms of jonathan taylor whatever else so let's get to the music and we'll dive right in And welcome everyone to this edition of the RotoWire NFL podcast brought to you by Circus Sports. I'm Joe Bartley. You can follow me on Twitter at JB Fantasy Sports. As always, alongside me every Tuesday, Jake Latarski. You can follow me at Roto Jake uh, on the X if you want to call it that. I refuse to, but I, I will. I will to at least pander Elon a little bit. He can give us better numbers uh, if that's the case. We're talking top ten uh, biggest risers right now in terms of ADP uh, and going over a lot of those names. Jake, I feel confident, or I, mm-hmm. I should say, not confident. I should. Uh, I feel happy that we've mentioned a lot of these names already before. I don't know if it's yeah. You listen to our podcast. Definitely a few repeats uh, of yes. guys that we've discussed, and you know, we'll we'll go into them and try to find new information because a lot of them, of course, did play in week two of the preseason. Of course, if uh, you are playing in week, I mean, week two is really if you're a serious starter, you know, is the only one that maybe you'd play in a little bit, but. Um, but yeah, so and I also want to make clear right off the bat that uh, just because we're saying um, top ten risers, uh, that doesn't mean the price is right right now. You know what I mean? Like the that price there's still room to rise yeah, more. Yeah, yeah. This isn't necessarily a buy low opportunity anymore. These guys have their value has risen the most from when we started the show in July to now we're already in in, in the back half of August here. So uh, just because you know we mentioned a guy on here that they've risen a lot, you know it could be reasonable for sure. Um, but that doesn't mean go out and draft them or overpay for them immediately because the price has already risen. You're buying high. Um, a lot of these guys we like and we like before, but. They're a lot better at their July ADP than they are at their August 22nd ADP. But that'll be another nuanced thing to discuss as we get into each of these players. I love it. We got comments in the section already. Uncle Ted Talks is naming off every single Packer player at this point. Christian Watson, Jordan Love, uh, Luke Musgrave. Spoiler, there's going to be a few Packers in this yep. list. It's, it's promise it's not just because Spoiler, they fans. I wanted to put Jordan Love on this list, but believe it or not, his ADP has fallen. While the rest of his offensive pieces, their ADP <laughs> rises. Uh, so a lot of the times we're going to go uh, their ADP all season. Since the NFCC draft started in 2023, uh, we're going to do their ADP over the last month and their ADP over the last week. And I did these uh, notes last night, so it'll be one day staggered. But it shouldn't make a difference. But AD, Love has gone from he's 152 to 162 to 169. So I couldn't quite put him in this uh, situation, but maybe there's a buy low opportunity there. We'll talk into that. In, we'll discuss that in a bit. Um, I, I, I are you going to do the reader? Are we jumping right in? Well, the news? no, no, we will. But I was just going to say, if you are confident that the ADP is incorrect on Jordan Love, 
it's not just don't draft Jordan Love, don't draft the Packers. Bet every single possible under you can with Jordan Love and the Packers and the offense because I think that's where the money is. It really isn't being reflected per se in the fantasy value. But spoiler for everyone next week, we are going to be going over every single team's over-under win total, talking about a, a few of our favorite prop bets as well. That's next week's podcast. This weekend, focusing on the top 10 rises in, cur- in terms of current ADP. One place where you can bet those over-unders at Circa Sports. Get ready for more millions guaranteed. The biggest pro football contests in Vegas are back and bigger than ever with 14 million in guaranteed prizes only at Circa Sports. Enter Nevada, play from anywhere. There's two wins, uh, two ways to win on top of the over-under win totals if you want. And no rake, play Circa Million. Make five picks against the spread each week with 100% payback to the players. Grand finale winner takes home $1 million. Last place. Your old booby prize there, Jake, takes $100,000 uh, away as well with quarterly and full season payouts, $6 million in guaranteed prizes total. Then there's the Circus Survivor, where you can select one team each week straight up with no repeat selections. If the team loses or ties, your entry is eliminated. Each team can only be picked once in a season. Go 20-0 and zero or 0-20 zero and 20, uh, and be the last person standing in either one of those, and you win some money. Obviously more if you are going 20-0, $8 million guaranteed in prizes, $14 million across both those different competitions and guaranteed prizes. Visit circusports.com for more details. All right, before we dive into those top 10 uh, ADP risers right now, we should take a little bit of a landscape re- review, or view, I should say, of the news and notes that have occurred over the past couple of days. Mm-hmm. Biggest ones, some big ones, even Jonathan just Taylor, in the last right? 24 hours, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, Jonathan Taylor, obviously. Just Jonathan Taylor, but we have to start there, of course. <laughs> As yeah, we have, uh, like, three of our last four shows, it feels like. It, which which is fine. I think the running back market has been dominating uh, a lot of the pre- August discussion and it's carried over to the first couple of weeks. Like what's happening with Ezekiel Elliott, Delvin Cook. Well, we already know their status. And now it kind of depends on what's happening with the Josh Jacobs and Jonathan Taylor. So in Taylor's case, uh, just to catch people up on what's occurred, we had the uh, Jim Irsay comments. Then Jonathan Taylor was away from the team. Uh, then we had Jonathan Taylor back, but not participating in practice that gone again. And now he's been allowed to look for a trade. I'm willing to bet whatever the Colts are, wanting to move Jonathan Taylor for, they are not going to find that trade out there or available. So if that's the case, and let's just say the the price is a first-round pick or picks equivalent to a first-round pick, much like the CMC deal that happened to the 49ers and Panthers last midseason. Um, I, I don't know what you do with Jonathan Taylor because John, J- Jim Irsay made it very clear they're not going to be re-signing him. But I think the Colts probably would want to re-sign things if all things were considered or yeah. the same. So it's just so, a really tough spot. Yeah, so here's the thing. I don't know if he's not getting the greatest advice from his agent here because there's a reason that guys like Saquon are taking these very average deals right. that are laced with incentives, right? So, you know, he maybe he's not getting great advice, whatnot. But I think a lot of this is a move for uh, the front office to be like, okay, go out and seek a trade because then they'll get a realistic Gift, or they'll get a realistic idea back of what his value actually is. Both his agent and maybe JT himself have a little bit of a distorted view of what this is. A team is not going to uh, send first-round compensation for a player that then, of course, for Jonathan Taylor to approve the trade or whatever, you know, however that needs to go down, uh, then, of course, they're not going to give first-round compensation and then sign someone to a three-year, $45 million deal with uh, half or more of that guaranteed. It, it's just not going to happen when you can use that first-round pick that you were going to give up to get a running back on a rookie deal for four years. It's just it's not how the league works here, and I'm not saying that's fair or it's unfair, uh, but I think uh, Taylor and his agent are going to get a bit of a rude awakening now. If we wait a bit and the price goes down, I could see teams like, I mean, the biggest one being Miami, right? Uh, give up maybe a second and a fourth and one of their uh, and one of their current backs to Jonathan or, or to the Colts. That seems to be the most realistic fit, right? Uh, you know, but the price, of course, is going to have to go down from what Indy wants. Um, looking around, uh, you know, I think I'll teams, give you one. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I had so two the, the Dolphins. Two the Dolphins is the one that uh, is getting reported, but I don't think that's the most attractive. The Chiefs one, obviously, mm-hmm. we had traction last week. Uh, it's it's more or less the first pick in the third round with right where we if you're saying here you got to send a second round pick well that that yeah. doesn't have nearly as much value as even the Dolphins one even though they're projected to be high yeah that's fair what about the Bears I, I like with Fields on a rookie contract uh, you it's the same concept with Anthony Richardson you want Jonathan Taylor around to see what you have in a rich I feel like you want that with Justin Fields too and we've seen the Bears be willing to send mm-hmm. second round picks uh, to possibly improve that spot Claypool last year for example. Let's say two second-round picks and Roshan Johnson or Khalil Herbert. 
maybe Herbert might be more interesting for the Colts who could mm-hmm. then re-sign him to a bit more uh, smaller of a deal if he ends up proving to be a valuable guy. I think two seconds and Khalil Herbert's really interesting for Jonathan Taylor, for the Bears, and for the Colts. I, that might be one of the mm-hmm. very few win-win-win scenarios that yeah. is in the NFL currently. Yeah, that's an under-the-radar situation. I don't know if the Bears in their front offices are ready to immediately turn around and make that win-now leap. I was actually thinking of another NFC North team, and that is the Minnesota Vikings mm. here. Are you telling me they're really ready to go into the season with Alexander Madison as their workhorse bell cow back? I don't quite think so. The Vikings are a team that... Their, their window, if it even exists, it, it, it's closing pretty quickly. You only have a limited amount of years of useful Kirk Cousins left, and even what you're getting is arguably useful Kirk Cousins. But, you know, statistically he's productive, and he's won enough games to keep them in the hunt, you know, I guess we could say here. Uh, could a good running back get them over the go over the hump there? Possible. But I'm not, I'm not sure Minnesota would mortgage its future, future like that, but also maybe – you, you, you make your push now. You put your chips in while you can. And the other one I wrote down was, of course, the Dallas Cowboys. Right? Mm. They're another team where, um, you know, Tony Pollard is awesome. He, you know, uh, he could, obviously his second-round ADP could absolutely be wrecked uh, by a move to the Dallas Cowboys. But they're a team that looks like they want to be uh, pushing the chips in as well pretty soon. And, um, you know, who knows? You know, they got Zeke off the books. Might as well just put another expensive running back right on there. You know that they're willing – to pay running backs at the very least. So, uh, you know, we'll see how that goes. So Minnesota and Dallas were the two other ones I had besides the obvious Miami one. Now, what do we do about Jonathan Taylor here? He's uh, 26 in ADP over the last week, so he's a third-round pick as it stands. Assuming he can find a trade, you know, he's going into a place days before week one, has to learn an entire new scheme and playbook, so I imagine he's a little bit behind. Um, Possibly injured as well. Possibly injured on top of that. So... You know, what does this mean? I mean, I, I've been very clear on my status of I'm not touching him based on I already have too much exposure from early draft season to begin with. He was one of those, of course, by low guys that I thought, you know, could be great for a bounce back season. Then obviously the whole saga unfolded. So I'm personally probably not touching him. It would have to be like a fifth round pick for me to consider it at this point. To yeah. get any more in my portfolio, it would have to be a fifth round pick. For me. Uh, uh, he does not listen to bad news, is one of our listeners. I like that name. This feels like bad news in the Jonathan Taylor case. Says, He'll stay in Indianapolis. I agree uh, with that user as well, too. If you assume the Colts are going to wait and get the compensation they believe is worth it for Jonathan Taylor, maybe maybe you don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's part of this yeah. conversation. I mean, if say, you assume they're going to wait, then he's not going to be a Colt, right? Yeah. It's just not going to come. Well, no, no, no. So I think he will because they have two years of him under contract, more or less. Again, this rookie year and then the franchise tag, which I think is a, a paltry price to play to pay for Jonathan Taylor at peak value. So you have two years to sit on this and you could wait for a team that maybe has a couple of injuries like the Cowboys, or whatever else teams that have Super Bowl aspirations, which is a lot in the AFC, not so much in the NFC um, to pay that price. And if they don't, whatever, I get two years of Jonathan Taylor. I don't know how after the Ursay comments happened two weeks ago, it's a salvageable marriage for the Colts. I don't know how, or what com- communication conversations have to occur. This actually feels like the appropriate set. Hey, you know, Jonathan Taylor, if you think you're you're as valuable, if not more valuable than Chris McCaffrey, the highest paid running back in the league, great. Mm-hmm. Go find draft compensation go, uh, and then go ahead and sign <laughs> that contract. The Colts yeah. are betting on the market saying they can't. And exactly. if that could change the ego a bit of Jonathan Taylor, maybe he is more willing to come back. Maybe that injury that he might have or might not have uh, looks mm-hmm. a lot better after. Oh, I actually can't go for uh, fourteen million in the first round pick. I just, yeah, I just think that comparing this to McCaffrey is complete apples and oranges, right? You're it is. talking, you're talking five hundred receiving yards out of, out of a back here. So you know, not just a running back, the most one of the most dynamic playmakers on the entire offense there that you're discussing. I don't here. disagree. So but that's it, what it, the it's agent. A very keeps different situation. Does. Yeah. So yeah, the agent. Uh, you know, maybe the, maybe that marriage gets broken up. You know, who, who knows? We'll see. But you know, we've discussed JT at length here. I'm, you know, the the value keeps plummeting from a fantasy standpoint. And at this point, I'm just afraid if he does end up going somewhere, how is it going to hurt my other assets I already drafted? Right. I actually feel better about Josh Jacobs' situation than Jonathan Taylor's. And at this point, I think the collective fantasy universe seems to agree, although Mm -hmm. I'd be really curious where you have the ADP for Jacobs, uh, at least over the past week. Mm -hmm. So we had reports yesterday that Josh Jacobs is expected to report to training camp before week one. Of course, he hasn't signed his franchise tag, so he's not getting fined for missing time. But were he to join that would be the requirement is that he's going to sign the franchise tag. Obviously, it was insane last season. Uh, I don't know. You probably missed this, Jake. I actually wrote an article uh, last week about Madden and in terms of where his value was in Madden. He was insane off the charts with all the stats. He's a really high overall mm-hmm. player. 
I, like Jacobs was one of the best and most productive running backs in the NFL last season. I think with the Raiders mm-hmm. offense, the way it looks, he could probably be projected to do similarly, uh, similar type of numbers. It's a whether or not he will, he, he's going to, and there's been some extra stuff that I didn't see that I want yeah. you to outline with the social media. Yeah, I, I don't know who saw this or who missed this, but uh, so Josh Jacobs, you know, he was all said that he's going to report before week one, right? Um, Coach Josh McDaniels didn't exactly corroborate that, or corroborate that story uh, first off, right? And then um, Jacobs replied to a post on Twitter or on X or whatever we're calling it these days. Uh, he basically said, nope, that's not true. He denied it. And then he later deleted that tweet, right? So, so weird. <laughs> I know. He, it's like he's a wide receiver being cryptic on social media, right? <laughs> But um, anyway, his current average draft position over the last week is 35. I think most people are not going to look into his deleted tweet too much. His agent probably said, listen, Saquon took this. JT's about to get embarrassed. You got to go if you want to play. Yeah, well, we have leverage. We have leverage if you're not revealing your hand, which is to say I'm going to keep uh, doing this little hold on. I -hmm. like the Jacobs situation more because the backup to Jacobs is far more clear to me. And I wrote about this uh, in the RotoWare Online Championship article review that I did. Weeks ago, out on Twitter right now. I don't mind paying a third or fourth round price tag for Josh Jacobs because the clear backup to me is Zamir White. I know they have Amir Abdul who can do some pass catching stuff. I don't buy that for a second. I think Zamir White is a three down back so long as Josh Jacobs is out. And if Jacobs plays, well, then he can just cut Zamir White or or handcuff him the same way you would Alexander Mellison and Delvin Cook in years past. Like it's it's such an easier thing to sort out than the Colts backfield, which has Deion Jackson, Evan Hull has been making uh, training camp buzz. Zach Moss would theoretically be the guy when he's back and healthy after the broken arm. The, that, the Colts' backfield options are way messier than the Raiders, and I will be happy to take Jacobs at his current ADP. No one can get his backup whenever, whereas I don't think I can do that with JT. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, right on. So, I mean, like I said, Josh Jacobs at 35 and uh, and Jonathan Taylor at 26 right now. Josh Jacobs was slipping out into the fourth round. I think people are going to believe these reports at face value, and he's going to definitely be in the third and might creep into the second here by the time uh, we get to the season here in a couple weeks, whereas Taylor is probably going the opposite direction, right? They, they'll pretty much swap right. ADPs at this point. So it's all, uh, it's all <laughs> intertwined. Yeah, I took Jacobs in the fourth round in that Beat Joe Bartle online championship. I think I saw him mid third round. round. I, I saw him mid third round in the Rotor Invitational, which is one of those slow drafts mm-hmm. that we're currently doing. I think he was probably, I would assume, right around the same spot for you since it was a weird uh, yeah. ADP thing with my fantasy league, uh, um, the platform that we're drafting. Jacobs on. went 30 overall in my yeah. uh, Roto Wire Invitational well, right round. before I was well, able I to take Najee Harris and Joe Mixon was right afterwards. So Jacobs went ahead of Harris and Mixon, which is not the story that the NFFC numbers are telling right now. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with you. I would not be surprised at all if the. And of course, there might be a PPR aspect to that too late third, fourth round price take flips with Jacobs and Jonathan Taylor, where they were going uh, last week. Uh, the Commanders, I don't know if you you recognize this, Jake, ended up knocking off the Ravens, ending that vaunted uh, preseason win streak that I guess others in America cared about, but I definitely didn't know or did not care mm-hmm. about at all. If you last are a degenerate that well gambles too. on preseason games, you've noticed because you've been, you've been printing money with the Ravens for the past I several guess. preseasons. But, uh, yeah, I know that's a very small subset of us, I suppose. Commanders won. But did they win in terms of their franchise? Because Terry McLaurin ends up getting injured during that contest. They had a few other guys out there for extended time to be able to get that victory over the Ravens' second and third string guys. It sounds like McLaurin suffered turf toe, which, uh, if you recall, Julio Jones in his Falcon days was one of the more uh, egregious injuries because the time span as to when Mm -hmm. you're able to play felt like it varied to the umpteenth degree. And that could be the case here with McLaurin as well. Yeah, so, I mean, have you ever had turf toe before in, in, in anything? It's basically a broken no. toe. If someone right. stomps on you, you break your toe. The thing is, you can't do anything for that, right? If you're a lineman and you're a badass, you say, okay, I'll just cut the thing off, right? And then you're fine. Can't quite do that if you're a wide receiver, right? Um, and the thing is, there's a spectrum with, tur- with turf toe, right? It goes from grade one to grade three from just a sprain, which it sounds like this is, to, you know, completely broken. And again, you don't put a toe in a cast right you just stay off it and let it heal that's the only way you can do that every time you play on it every time you run on it every time you take a weird step on it or god forbid someone stomps on your foot on accident on accident yes it's being exposed and it's going to get worse the only way to do to really really heal this is to sit out eight weeks which doesn't sound like it's going to happen so this is going to be a nagging injury that affects him to some degree 
likely throughout the entirety of the season, uh, especially the way that it seems like they're going to play it by him suddenly, uh, you know, at first it said turf toe, they're going to do an MRI. Now, like 30 minutes before the show, they said he's suddenly day to day. The team is optimistic. He'll be ready for week one. Um, I mean, my immediate reaction to this is what the hell is Washington doing? <laughs> right. Why did the, why are they treating the preseason like the Super Bowl and playing McLaurin, their pro bowl wide receiver, basically the entirety of the first half. Right. Um, which an odd enough side note, Josh Dotson or uh, Dotson, uh, yeah, Dotson, Dotson, John really Dotson, right. Yeah. I, I mix uh, another jo- yeah, Dotson. Josh. Do- yeah. Yes. Dotson. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I yeah. actually wrote Dotson in the air. Okay. Anyway, Jihad Dotson. <laughs> Former um, first-round uh, receiver for the Commanders, just yes, different years. Exactly, okay. yes, yes. Jahan Dotson is who I meant to say. He's playing 100% of the snaps with the first-teamers. He's seen more work on the field than Terry McLaurin is, um, which is a very good sign for him. And mm-hmm. also a bad sign for Curtis Samuel, who is essentially a complete afterthought in this offense, only one target in the entire half of play. Um, maybe, of course, if McLaurin has to miss any time, Samuel becomes – a little bit more relevant uh, in, in that offense there. But all of a sudden, Jahan Dotson is uh, becoming a lot more interesting. He went 92 in my most recent draft. His ADP over the last week here is 81, actually. So, uh, you know, definitely a top 100 player at this point. And someone, you know, round 7-8 comes around, uh, you're definitely looking for him. Because it looks like Sam Howell might be okay. Now, granted, it was preseason. Yep. It's against a lot of backups. But and I know you were on, in that camp and some other people are in that camp that Sam Howell might actually be okay. Yeah, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Uh, the, the general consensus was Sam Howell and Brock Purdy were going to be first-round picks two years ago. Obviously, they fell respectively. If you believe Brock Purdy is good, Sam Howell was in that same vein in college. So just uh, keep that in mind. I, I've been buying Howell. I don't know if I can get him as cheap as I was before. That's that's a, the unfortunate, frustrating part of this. When Digo asks in the chat, thoughts on JSN missing time due to injury? Mm-hmm. Luckily, that's still on our, our sheet here. We had talked about a little yep. bit earlier um, in terms of players that have been I injured in preseason. He had a broken hand and is going to be requiring surgery. The Seahawks say he's going to evidently possibly be ready for week one. Hmm. I'm, I'm really annoyed, and this is also with McLaurin as well too, Jake. Overarching thing, it feels like every single player that's been possibly hurt is going to be ready for week yep. one. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's going to be fine. Kadarius Tony surgery in his knee, yeah, he, he's good to go. You got uh, Joe Burrow and all his stuff. Yep, no problem. Week one, fine, set for it. Uh, Terry McLaurin injured yesterday. Uh, JSN injured Saturday or Sunday, whatever it is. Yeah, they'll be fine. We are not this stupid, NFL team. Stop stop insulting our intelligence as consumers of your sport. If you're injured two weeks and having surgery, unless it's the appendectomy, and even then, I knew last year with Joe Burrow he was not going to be ready-ready to start the season. You mm-hmm. are not good to go. Surgery is not this lighty-dighty thing. Like, Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a lot of that going around here. So um, I don't have much JSN, right? But uh, assuming he misses early on, I mean that that just helps both Metcalf and Lockett, right? I mean I've been I've been way more um, uh, you know ready to take Lockett a couple spots ahead of ADP just for the yeah. safety net than take a complete unknown with a below average quarterback. You know what I mean? We know that Lockett and Metcalf can produce with Geno Smith. Um, we don't know that the third option, who's a rookie, can. Uh, in this passing game, so uh, I, you know, I've been a little hesitant, and uh, you know, maybe this passing to the guard will happen at some point. But uh, we, I don't have much of JSN, so I this news doesn't mean a whole lot to me. Uh, if he falls enough, I'll consider it, but uh, I'm not looking to aggressively get any more at this point. We could have included um, JSN in terms of our top ten list. I guess spoiler, we did not uh, of guys that have been rising. But I've seen JSN now consistently go in the sixth or seventh round. Clearly. They haven't been listening to our podcast. That's the wrong rookie receiver. It's Jordan Addison that people <laughs> should be drafting and reaching for. But I've seen JSN on two different drafts go in the sixth and seventh round, which was higher than his uh, certainly middle July ADP and I think even early August ADP. I've been operating, if I'm taking JSN, its peak value comes if Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf were to get injured. Both have been healthy. Both have been fine. There's not enough volume from a passing perspective for three receivers and uh, Charbonnet at his current ADP, and certainly Kenneth Walker at his third or fourth round. Not all those guys can work. They can't all hit. Mm-hmm. And I've been comfortable saying it's going to be the rookie, especially with the way Pete Carroll tends to operate in these things. This kind of injury, especially with the surgery, I would sooner assume he's going to go on the pup list. So they're just going to be proactive about it, make sure he misses the first four weeks of the season. I'm not touching JSN at his prices that were happening this weekend, and I certainly won't be going anywhere near it now uh, with the rookie receiver and his injury at, with the surgery. I'm, I'm just not. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, not 75 overall right now over the last week. No so. shot. Nope. No nope. shot 
whatsoever for me. All right, let's get into that top 10 list of guys that have been rising over the past week, according to NFFC ADP. Before we do so, I want to get a word from our sponsors real quick, Blue Wire. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back now and again talking the top 10 risers in terms of NFFC ADP. Again, we've mentioned a lot of these people. In fact, uh, just this past week or last week's Tuesday show, we talked about risers in ADP. I'll, I'll tee them up for you, Jake, and I want you to just go over why you think their ADP has been rising or at least outline it for the listeners and then your and thoughts then and if that's about, correct or not. Yeah, and then we can talk about whether we're ready to buy them now or not. So yes. again, uh, three numbers. I'm going to go through these. Kind of, I'm going to hit it right now real quick. I'm going to do NFFC ADP all season, ever since they opened up drafts. I'm going to do NFFC ADP over the last month, NFFC ADP over the last week, and that is at using yesterday as a baseline day because I, I put all the numbers in yesterday. knew I was going to have time to do that this morning. All right. So those those are the numbers I'm going to use. Are you, so are you, are you going to cue me up for yeah, yeah, number yeah. ten? Okay, so All we right, got we it. got a pair of Dolphin running backs, and it's yep. not including A Chain, who mm-hmm. got injured, is not listed as week to week during his preseason outing. Uh, I think that was Saturday. So you got Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson. Where yep. are their ADPs right now in Hollywood? Exactly. Prison? Yeah, so Mostert yeah, started at 148, and he's only climbed a little bit, went to 146, and then over the last week actually jumped up to 137. Uh, Jeff Wilson, 156, went down to 157, then up to 152. So he's kind of been in the same range here. So that's why they're only down at uh, 10 in the risers here. Um, A-Chain has a shoulder injury. He's week to week. Uh, not to mention um, that all the preseason usage and snap distribution suggests that Mostert and Wilson are atop of that depth chart. And uh, that A-Chain is, is down and has to work his way up. And now he has the injury. Um, now, of course, right as soon as I put them at number 10, you know, we have this Jonathan Taylor situation. The Dolphins obviously look like a good fit here. So, um, I mean, so, so as far as what I think here, um, 
I have not gotten a piece of this backfield. It's a little mm. bit too risky. One of these guys would have to fall quite a bit for me to uh, run in and jump there, especially with the trade situation. And I actually personally think myself that A-Chain will emerge later on in the season here. You know, I advised um, you know someone I was helping out with their 10-team auction uh, last week to throw throw two bucks on A-Chain and, and, and hang on to him and see what happens here. So uh, I actually like the rookie uh, more than the other guys, and I'm hoping that uh, A-Chain can continue to be discounted as opposed to me paying a little more or me paying peak price for most Wilson. We talked off-air. We're doing the RotoWare Invitational Draft right now. It's a slow draft. Um, it, encompasses, it encompasses almost everyone, you know, from our remote writers, uh, full-timers, part-timers, whatever, across the whole company, and then they're put into different divisions. So it's essentially like six or seven divisions, 12 teams, and you have the finals play against each other. That's not important. But in that draft, Jake, or in your version, you're doing a, uh, a hero running back strategy you're grabbing one early which was i think Najee harris yeah in the third round and then you're punting mm-hmm. on it so even in that scenario when you're going hero running back taking just one at the top and then a, a smattering of guys later on you wouldn't consider either one of these dolphins guys yeah i will okay so i'm getting to the point in the draft where i might actually a chain went at 106 right and then mostert uh went at uh 123 so well above adp here um, I might go ahead and grab Jeff Wilson with my next yep. pick. I'm, I'm just kind of looking at where I'm at. I'm hitting 151 next, which is right around AP, ADP. I'm going to actually wait till 162. That's where I grab Jeff Wilson just to see. Um, so Because in that case, I already did take a run of, uh, you know, Jamal Williams, Samaj AP, right. Ryan, those types of guys that, you know, uh, just need a break or two to go right uh, in that scenario. And then, I, of course, I, I, I pivoted and stopped doing the quantity over quantity so I could go ahead and grab David Njoku and Romeo Dobbs. So uh, I just, I'm just living with my RB2 that's going to be bad this year, you know. So Maybe the, we'll find one on the wire. This this boils down to a philosophical question in my mind. I don't I don't mind Raheem Mostert. I don't mind Jeff Wilson. I actually think Jeff Wilson, if you're saying who gets the most snaps this year over with A-Chain included, mm-hmm. I think it's Jeff Wilson. Um, but I want a guy that, if things were to work, work out, is the number one. So, you know, Roshan Johnson's been mentioned a number of times by Uncle Ted Talks. I'm not buying that same thing, but it's that concept, right? We've mentioned Jerome Ford. I want Jerome Ford. Chase Brown, again, if Joe Mixon were to get injured, he's past the lawsuit stuff or allegations. But if you were to get injured, it's it's those it's those types of players that fall mm-hmm. into the obvious three-down facet where if that injury were to happen, they are number one priority. We're saying spend 80% of your budget on them. That's the guys I'm drafting in those selections because mm-hmm. I want the high upside. And the best part is if it doesn't work out or if I don't feel like we're trending that, I can just cut them. Whereas I feel like I'd have exactly. to hold on to Mostert or Jeff Wilson or A-Chain throughout most of the season and potentially waste your yep. roster spot. Yeah, they're guys that you it, – it's fantasy purgatory, man, right? You feel like you – they're a top 125 pick maybe, or at least in this draft with Mostert. You feel like you have to hang on to them. You sure as heck can't start them, but you're too uncomfortable to cut them, so they just sit there and bleed a roster spot, and that's uh, that's rough. So this is, uh, this is actually a pass scenario for me. Now, if Mostert was a rounder around 150 – uh, or at, at around this 162 pick, I'd consider it. I like Mostert a little bit more because of the big playmaking ability, um, even if he does see a few less snaps. But really, um, I'm hoping for a depressed price on A-Chain. Otherwise, this is a total avoid for me. Jerome Ford, Chase Brown, Gus Edwards, Zamir White. Those are all running backs I'm drafting over the Dolphin guys, and I don't have to. They're all going later in terms mm-hmm. of ADP. So, again, it's a philosophical choice, but one I'm avoiding. One that I'm not, though, Uh our duo of Packers targets. And I'm glad you mentioned last week, Luke Musgrave, who I have to imagine by the end of August is going to be among Mm -hmm. the top 16 or 18 tight ends drafted because of the past two weeks of preseason games, he has been the most targeted Packers guy and has been consistently good Mm -hmm. in the opportunities that he's been scripted in, in a first team starter settings. Like I think Luke Musgrave is sort of what I had been envisioning for Sam Laporta in terms of workload for the Lions, Laporta's been great. I'm not. I'm not mm-hmm. knocking that selection, but Musgrave. Yeah, needs Musgrave. To be considered I, I mean, in the same spot. I threw. Uh, you know, when we did late round flyers early in the year, I threw Laporta out there. Musgrave is officially a place replaced Laporta in, right. in whenever time whenever that topic comes up or whenever I get asked about that. You know, he's already gone from 245 to 229 to 196. That's what two preseason Shooting games up. can show you here. And l- listen again, it's only the preseason, and people will uh, you know value that how they might. But this Packers preseason is a lot different than in the past because you have Jordan Love out there getting reps with the first team. He, A guy like Jordan Love, just he just needs more reps, right? So he's out there with the first team offense, and Luke Musgrave 
two straight weeks, played every single snap with the Green Bay Packers starters here. So that's significant in its own. And, uh, you know, we talked about all, all his attributes. You know, his, his, his run blocking is solid. His breakaway speed, they've had him run fades out of the slot. I mean, he is a versatile player that is going to get usage this year. And you got to kind of sneak up and get him now because that price is going to be this low by the time uh, the first week of the regular season hits. And then, you know, as a bonus, of course, I put, uh, I put Romeo Dobbs in here, whose price is uh, um, – skyrocket or not not skyrocketing but steadily consistently improving um to the point where you definitely want to get yourself some dobs in your portfolio he's went from 125 to 117 to 107 i just took him at 138 overall in the invitational i cannot believe that happens i am 100 thrilled about that you know even though i i, I already have uh stefan diggs and DeAndre Hopkins and Christian Watson and George Pickens. And I was like, I'm going to take my fifth receiver just so I can get Dobbs too. And, you know, I'll probably take Jordan Love later on to complete the Packers stack there. But uh, both Dobbs and Musgrave have done nothing but help themselves um, in, the, in the preseason. And if, you're, and if your average draft position list in your draft room hasn't caught up to reflect that, there's definitely uh, some advantages that you can use uh, to get them on your team at a very fair price. Or I'd say others are going to have it reflective. Like, I, I guarantee you, whatever platform, again, ESPN, Yahoo, My Fantasy, uh, Sleeper, if, if we're doing a redraft league, I don't think the price of where they're going to go is going to reflect on where the ADP mm-hmm. is currently showing them. Like, I'm, I'm pulling the trigger on both Musgrave and Dobbs, taking them earlier. And if you just look at the box score, you're thinking, man, Dobbs is like Jordan Love's guy, like the guy. Mm-hmm. Christian Watson has played less snaps. And it has yep. been by injury and anything else that they're they're safeguarding him a little bit, and they're also not showing the shot plays for Christian Watson. Like they had that one deep pass uh, in the Week mm-hmm. One preseason game, it, it was just run straight. Like there's going to be more schematical things to get Watson and his big play threat available. But what you're seeing with Dobbs, I think, is going to be consistent throughout the season. He is going to be a featured member of that offense, and I think we'll get easily as many targets, maybe not as many yards, but certainly as many targets, if not more than Christian Watson. I love both those guys. I will be taking them at their current ADP. I'll go even higher if I need to, uh, depending on current roster construction. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm right there with you on both the Packer targets. Yep. The general community is lower on them than us that are just lucky yeah, to be the, Packer fans. The general community is wrong. I'm, I'm going to say it right now, especially on Musgrave, but I think on Dobbs as well, too. They are wrong on both those guys. I'm not sure about this one, though. Sky Moore who is now going a little bit higher, uh, at least or closer to Kadarius Tony's ADP. Again, even though we think Tony, or at least the Chiefs think, he's going to be back week one. Um, where are you at with uh, Sky Moore? What are you seeing in terms of his rising ADP? Yeah, so he went from 113 to 98 to 89. So he is actually one of the most significant risers, you know, in terms of starting an endpoint uh, that we'll see on this entire show. Of course, it's easy to rise when you start out far lower, like the Musgrave scenario we just talked about. But, uh, you know, we're talking, yeah, 24 spot rise here uh, in Sky Moore. It's significant because he's essentially about to pass Kadarius Tony. And, you know, part of that is the injury. Um, he's number two behind it. Mark Hesveldis-Scantling in preseason snaps. So it's clearly a MVS and Sky Moore situation. Of course, you can expect that with Tony out. Um, but I think there's a little bit of a misconception with Sky Moore. They see, you know, his blazing speed and they think he's, you know, purely a deep threat. That has not been the case in the preseason so far. I had, I had read that uh, 16 of his 25 snaps this preseason, he's lined up in the slot. So uh, that's a very interesting aspect. Uh, you know, that's a target that Patrick Mahomes generally likes. You know, we see Kelsey line up there sometimes too. And, uh, you know, he's Mahomes is good at finding that receiver in the seam here, you know, and not necessarily always being a pure deep ball guy. So that gives him a little more stability week to week. I know you're a big Rasheed Rice guy. Yep. Um, I just I haven't seen how he works into that. I mean it's I mean there, there's Kelsey, there's then you have MVS and and Sky Moore. You know Tony could take from one of those guys, but I just don't see where Rasheed Rice gets into the, in, into that playing time. Are you still Rasheed Rice guy, oh, yeah. or how are you? Looking yeah, at yeah, that? A- absolutely. Uh, I was kicking myself because he got taken two picks before me in the Invitational. I don't need receivers at all. I'm in the same spot as you roster wise where. I shouldn't be. I shouldn't be investing in Dobbs and Rasheed Rice, and yet I'll be happy to do so, uh, given their current ADP. Sky Moore is great, but Sky Moore and Marquez Villascantling play the same spot in terms of slot deep threat, um, slot opportunity. And if they did want MVS to be on the outside, he's still deep threat. Like there's only so many targets that go to MVS in his role in the Chiefs' offense. I think Sky Moore can see a lot. My whole pitching point for Rasheed Rice was longevity that he will be getting enough snaps enough opportunities because they don't have another outside receiver like Kadarius, Tony, MVS, and Sky Moore 
all probably play in the slot, like ideally the way they want to operate their offense. And Rasheed Rice is outside along with Travis Kelsey playing his typical role. Mm-hmm. So I'm not at all scared in any way. I'm not taking Sky Moore, but it's more that I'm saving up for the Nico Collins and Dobbs and uh, Jordan Addison's. I know Addison's going about two or three rounds higher, but it's there's just different ways I'm constructing the roster and, and Moore has not been a guy I've been going aggressively getting, mm-hmm. even though I'm totally comfortable if somebody wants to. Yeah, no, I mean, I will say at this point, I don't know how many drafts. I'm close to eight deep or something, eight eight real drafts for leagues that I'm going to play out here, and uh, I have no Sky Moore yet. So, right. Um, right, You know, I guess that, that really, you know, should tell me that, uh, should tell you guys everything you need to know there. I haven't made him a priority yet. He's one of those guys that I'll have minimal exposure to. Just uh, on the whole, with the, you know, I've said, I've talked about Kadarius Tony being way overdrafted, and his ADP has since fallen. Right. Uh, yeah, so we had a comment in here. I, f- I forget the comments came in so fast that we passed it already, but uh, the Chiefs wide receivers are, are just kind of a mess here, and there's uh, there would need to be a pretty significant uh, downgrade for me to jump there. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Another guy that I've just not been targeting too much is Elijah Moore, who I thought was going to be that guy, the one that you hear about in July and you're talking to a lot of other people in the industry. And then by August, everyone's taking Elijah Moore. He's going to go in the sixth round. If that sounds familiar to you, Jake, it's because we had that same cadence last year with the Jets, of course, uh, was one of the biggest busts, as you are well aware of, uh, in terms of his fantasy value now trade to the Browns. He had missed time due to injury came back, I think it was just this past week, and yet somehow his ADP still has him rising to the point where he makes our top 10 list. Explain that one to me. Riddle it to me, Jake. Yeah, I don't yeah. so I the ADP, he went from 98 to 92, still 92. I don't know where Elijah Moore being a top 100 player is coming from, uh, period. Now, he's talking up a big season. Says It says if you don't draft him in fantasy, you're going to regret it, right? Um, and there's also been some interesting preseason uh, usage for him, right? You know, we saw him make a pretty big play getting a carry out of the yeah, backfield. Jet sweeps. Yep, that's pretty new. Um, you know, the Browns never signed, you know, Kareem Hunt or anyone else to back up Chubb, so somebody else is getting carries in some capacity, and, you know, maybe more is multifaceted in that case, but I'm still very skeptical on this ADP. I have zero Elijah Moore right now. I did have him in my queue for pick 127, um, you know, he was like the sixth option in my queue for pick 127. If you, if that tells you, you know, which is, uh, which is of course, uh, what do I have? 36 spots below his ADP right, right now. So, <laughs> so that, you know, that's, that's about the point where I'm really to be like, okay, maybe I'll add him to the portfolio here, but I'm just skeptical. Of course he has all the talent in the world, but he hasn't shown it anywhere he's been. He always ends up in some kind of conflict or some kind of situation, uh, you know, you know, where he's been or, or, or you know. I guess maybe I didn't word that properly, but there's always been some sort of issue that's that stopped him from reaching his full potential. And he's arguably the third or fourth target on the whole team, right? Because you got uh, you know you got Amari Cooper, of course. I drafted David Njoku not long ago. Got your boy Donovan uh, Peoples Jones yep, as well. Yep, at 127. And dude, I don't know how this happens, but every year in the back half of the season, I end up with Donovan Peoples Jones on my roster. I we he's your one boy. way or another, I try to because you can get him for nothing. He's kind of like the cut line. Is he the guy we'll use as the cut line this year? Because he he'll he'll Why randomly not? get six targets and could run a kickback and 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 is is okay in the PPR. Uh, yeah, I don't know. So anyway, um, <laughs> I, so so he's arguably the third or fourth target on this team, and then who knows, you know what happens? And he's also dealing with a ribs injury right now, so that likely leaves him out of this upcoming preseason game. He's going to miss time. I just uh, I don't see how it all comes together for Elijah Moore. Now this could very much be an old takes exposed situation where someone with his level of talent finally puts it all together but i'm willing to put my chips on the other side of that yeah and i am actually more concerned about deshaun watson who by all accounts has been struggling uh with the browns reporters and whatever else that the offense doesn't look all that good and um real reservations and i think you if we do this list as to who's falling the most deshaun watson will be in that top 10 list i've seen his adp kind of plummel uh, plummet. I don't think I love it. Plummet and pummel. I'm going to make and a new the, word yeah, for how exactly. bad Deshaun Watson has fallen words. down. He's plummeling. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. plummeted down the, the draft boards. Like whereas Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson were more or less interchangeable in the seventh, eighth, ninth round, early early July, early August uh, drafts. That's not the case. And I think we've seen Dak Prescott and Anthony Richardson and a few of these other quarterbacks jump up. It's Watson's uh, disappointing. I think that's the right word. Training camp to date. That's been part of the issue for me. So. Um, I'm with you. I'm not taking Elijah Moore at all. Uh, I have been burned by that two years ago. I'm not going to make that same mistake that uh, others did last season and certainly this season as well, too. Uh, let's take a word. So let's get a break and a word from our sponsors here, Rival Fantasy. If you're looking for a place to play head-to-head fantasy games without the huge tournaments, 
salary caps, or complicated game types, then Rival Fantasy is where you want to play this NFL season. From a twist in a classic game with Fantasy Bingo, where players generate a lineup to complete achievements and get bingo, to head-to-head fantasy challenges, where you'll pick uh, which of two players will score more fantasy points this is the best version of fantasy sports for the 2023 NFL season. Rival Fantasy is offering new users a 200% deposit bonus plus a $25 first play voucher. Rival Fantasy is so confident. You'll love the experience. They're giving you money to play out of the gate. Experience the future of fantasy sports on Rival Fantasy and become a rival today. So we've talked about the top 10, or at least start of it. Mm-hmm. Again, uh, the, the duo of the Dolphins running backs, Raheem Oster, Jeff Wilson, the duo of Packers pass catchers, Romeo Dobbs, Luke Musgrave, uh, Sky Moore, and Elijah Moore in terms of 10 mm-hmm. through 6 of our ADP risers. This group is the one that really is jumping up the most, and I think we start out with mm-hmm. a Bears running back that could be impacted by a Jonathan Taylor trade, like I had proposition at the start, Khalil Herbert. Where mm-hmm. was his ADP and what were we looking at now? Yeah, so he's went from 100 and then fell a little bit to 102 over the last month, back up to 90 over the last week. And I think the reason for that is he's established himself as an absolute starter in the preseason. And this is one that I actually like. You know, I put my money where my mouth is. I just took him at 90 overall in the Invitational. I took him ahead of Charbonnet, Brian Robinson, A.J. Dillon, and Tank Bigsby. I wanted to get a starting running back instead of gambling a little bit on carries. Now, obviously, if your fantasy scenario plays out and he ends up a bear, I'm, I'm toast there. Um... But let's see. I mean, he looks like he's locked in a starter to me. He sat out the entire preseason week two while his backups played healthy. He is the guy. I'm not worried about Deontay Foreman. And then, of course, in week one of the preseason, he took kind of a swing pass to the house in beautiful fashion, um, showing not only the ability to run in open space, but when the tacklers started to close in on him inside the 10, he showed a way to finish and make sure he scored in the end zone. I think there's a lot to like with Khalil Herbert and... uh, I think he's poised for a career year, and he has the opportunity to do that. I do not think the Bears will add another piece, so I'm confident enough about that to go ahead. And uh, so he's up to 90 overall, and I think that's a that's a fair that's a fair price. I'm, I just took him there, and I'll continue to do so. Yeah, and this goes back to the philosophical point that I made with the Dolphins guys. Like I, I, I'm not drafting uh, Jeff Mostert and. I can, and Raheem yeah. Wilson. Can we, can we can we make them Jeff Mostert? Because can they just be Jeff one Mostert and Raheem Wilson? Running back? Yes. What's that? Jeff What's Wilson the old Patriots? Ben Jarvis, Greenwood, Ellis had right. Well, or, Ben Jarvis, Green Ellis was one player. Yep. The and, law then, firm, and Danny Woodhead. It was Ben Raddy. Jarvis, Greenwood, Ellis had right. That's, you can just have them for one in fantasy. Uh, that's Jeff, that's things. That's too far of a deep cut. Let's keep moving. Jeff Mostert's perfect. Bill Simmons made that up. Yeah, Jeff Mostert. Anyway, Jeff Mostert's perfect. But the difference is, I think Khalil Herbert is going to be the starter. I'm not convinced Deonta Foreman and Roshan Johnson. Cut into the workload to a point where it's like a split. I, even a 60-41 in favor of Herbert means Herbert's getting a lot of the carries that Justin Fields and that read option in the Bears offense presents, but also that he'd be operating a little bit more in the the explosive opportunities, kind of like Tony Pollard Zeke split last year. Like I I really think Khalil Herbert fits into that category. I think he's a really good player too. And I'm not certain about Deonta Foreman, and we haven't seen it with Roshan Johnson. There's a lot of talk, especially from Uncle, Uncle Ted Talks here. I think he says it every other message at this point, Roshan Johnson, Roshan Johnson. He's not the only one. A lot of other people in the fantasy industry are mentioning Roshan Johnson, and a lot of smart people are too. So I'm not discounting that possibility, but we haven't seen it. And I have mm-hmm. seen it with Khalil Herbert, exactly. especially when Montgomery missed, Montgomery missed time last mm-hmm. season. Like I think he's yeah. really good. I like his ADP. I'm not sure I'm drafting him per se. But I'm, mm-hmm. I'm comfortable if I want to go that direction. I mean, where do you take him relative to Charbonnet, Brian Robinson, A.J. Dillon? And Charbonnet business. first. Yep. Charbonnet first, then Herbert, then probably A.J. Dillon, and then take Bixby. I'm not even considering considering the other guys. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. So, uh, you know, I think, we, I think we, we've think we got the book out there. Uh, and, you know, when I do take Roshan Johnson with my last pick in this draft to kind of back up or Herbert, yeah. just in case uh, Ted is right, I will I will dedicate that pick to Uncle Ted for sure. Yeah, you, you donate the uh, prize winnings of Roshan Johnson because he's, he's there every single day with Roshan Johnson talk. I love it. Um, <laughs> number right. five in terms of the ADP risers right now is Darren Waller. And we've uh, seen a few of the people – at Rotowire specifically target Darren Waller. Chris Liss, obviously Rotowire alum, has been all over Darren Waller. Now, Liss is just a Giants homer through and through, even though he doesn't want to admit it. So I he's hoping that Daniel Jones actually looks good and therefore Darren Waller will look good as well. I'm I'm a little bit concerned with this, and especially now that the price has risen. If mm-hmm. you're saying it's Darren Waller along the same price of Pat Fryermuth and Evan Ingram, fine. I mm-hmm. like the upside is easy, but that's not the case anymore. Now we're talking true sixth round. Yeah 
price tag or even mm-hmm. fifth round price tag for yep. Darren Wall. He's gone from 71 to 65 up to 60. Um, and I think the reason is, is I think a lot of uh, analysts went and looked at that Giants depth chart and realized, man, their top three wide receivers are Isaiah Hodgins, Darius Slayton, and Paris Campbell. Probably one of the worst position groups in the, in the league, you know, outside of maybe the Texans or Packers. Uh, Let's be honest. Oh, the Packers. Uh, yeah, okay. I guess I'm, I got my homer blinders on there. <laughs> but um, anyway, so he, like Darren Waller could legitimately lead this team in targets is what I'm saying here. You know, he went uh, four targets, uh, three for 30 in preseason week two. He was targeted on each of Daniel Jones' first three passes of the night. Now, interesting enough, the drive was capped off with a down Daniel Bellinger touchdown. So, uh, you know, of course, the vault, get, get those vultures out of the way in the preseason, right? Um, but, of course, the knock here that is injury-prone, right? He missed eight games last year, six the week before. If he stays healthy is a very, very big if. Um, and at 60 overall, that's going to be a no for me, dog. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to – if I don't take a tight end before 60, I am not taking one till 160, basically, is how this is going. Right. And, or, and, that's, and that's just my general draft strategy. Now, well, hold you know, on, I might consider quick, him if he falls enough, like just like any other player, but I have zero Waller right now and uh, no aggressive plans to get any. We've mentioned when Kyle Pitts has fallen, you've been comfortable going like you would you would roll the yep. dice again on a, a seventh or eighth round Kyle Pitts again. That's why I talked about Darren Waller. If yeah. he were to fall to that spot, okay, I would consider. But that's I mean, this is a he's on this podcast specifically for the reason where I'm not taking that he's that he's risen to a point where yep. people are too aggressive. I just need him to be healthy more often. Yep. Like it's great if you're the number one target for six games. But that's just six games of number mm-hmm. one target. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not going that direction yep. with a fifth or sixth round selection. I just can't mm-hmm. do it. I just took Pitts uh, 66 overall in round six. It's my first share all year. I saw a chance to get it. I took it. Waller actually went down at 82 in round seven. Oh, okay. That price I can live with here. Um, it was by an auto-drafted team, too, by the way. <laughs> um, you know, There's always one in some of these slow drafts when you go to the whole company. Um, so nobody in my draft wanted to touch Darren Waller. Now, I think that was a, uh, that was a big enough slip um, you know, where, where maybe there was some value there. But, uh, you know, again, I think that um, Kyle Pitts is more likely to stay healthy and the ceiling is far higher. I'm right there with you. Uh, I want to keep going through our list of top 10 uh, ADP risers right now, and that falls to the backup running back with the Jaguars. And, yes, I think it's important to clarify backup because I am a lover of Travis Etienne. That's Tank Bigsby, mm-hmm. who started out, I would I would feel like you could correct me, like a 13th, 12th-round selection, and yep. now is firmly in that group of guys that you're considering in the 9th, 10th round. Yeah, he uh, went from 139 to 129 to 121, so basically jumping 10 spots at every interval here that we're discussing. Um, basically, the decision here is – you have to decide if there's fantasy value outside of ETN, outside of an ETN injury. Can Bigsby have standalone fantasy value? And this ADP is starting to suggest that most people seem to think so. I mean, without ETN in preseason week two, Bigsby carried the ball 13 times for 70 yards. That included gains of 17, 13, and 11 yards. Um, and then in week one, he had nine for 52 when ETN was available here. Um, he's doing all the right things. Coach Doug Peterson called him a sponge. He said he's definitely going to have a role in his offense. You add up all the coach speak, which, you know, are, are little tally marks, but maybe right. a tally mark nonetheless here. Um, things are just all lining up well for Tank Bigsby here. And um, I thought it was interesting. I got to mention our, our guy KOB in, in, in the Stake League Zoom. You might have seen him talking golf on the channel earlier. He was like, yeah, man, I had ETN last year, and he just – gets smoked on every play like I don't even I don't know if it's a thing where he's standing upright or if he's not quite as as evasive and yes he's got a good uh broken tackle but rate but ETN is getting smoked on every play and I watched a little bit of film to try to corroborate that and he isn't entirely wrong on that of course you can be selective of which film uh you're going to watch with that but um I think it's in the Jags best interest to maybe do at least a 70-30 split uh with ETN I don't have ETN yet I was close I'm not fading ETN ETN entirely, but I did take a couple Bigsby back when he was around that ADP 150. He fell a long ways in mm-hmm. my in my Scott Fishbowl league. I was glad to get him there because I'm going to need to make up for my Jonathan Taylor second rounder eventually here. Um, but yeah, Tank Bigsby is, is up 20 spots, and uh, and I don't. I think I'm starting to reach the point where I'm out. But if he slips to around that original ADP, I'm still in. Yeah, I'm getting to the point where I think Tank Bigsby is going to is going to be a real thing. And I, I was not that way. I love ETN. I still love ETN. So just to be clear with what I'm about to say, I'm still drafting ETN. You can be a real thing in terms of playing time, uh, Doug Peterson, the Jaguars, using Tank Bigsby, and that still be a bad 
choice for the NFL team. NFL teams make bad choices all the time. Like I, I think if you are using Bigsby frequently and often, it's going to be a sieve on your offense, kind of like Brian Robinson with the Commanders. Like, oh, great story, got shot in the leg, came back. Well, his average yards per carry was what, under 3.5 for all but two weeks. Uh, he got touchdowns, but that was not good for the offense to be successful. I'm thinking Bigsby is going to be that way. Mm-hmm. But he's been getting a lot of work. He's been looking good in the preseason, especially last week with ETN out. Uh, lots of different mm-hmm. plays of ten plus yards. He looks more explosive than mm-hmm. I thought. So yeah, I'm, I could I'm see him my way end, around to yeah. it. In the end, I could see him siphoning just enough red zone work to be like an emergency flex play in a given week and suddenly turning into a top 15, top 20 running back if ETN has the sitter is limited there. So that's where the value in Bigsby is. And, and in the 120 to 140 range, you know, that's a fair price to pay for that. Yeah, somebody in the chat asked, which player would you drop if Bigsby was on your roster? And, and just to go over, it's like a Jarek McKinnon, um, Sky Moore, uh, Jahan Dotson. Like, I... I I want, I definitely want Charbonnet, who is like the next running back. McKinnon's an interesting one. Uh, I, he went, boy, I think he was round nine in our invitational. That was a bad pick. Like that's, we could, we could just admit sometimes when bad picks happen. I don't want McKinnon, but I wouldn't necessarily be dropping him over Bigsby. Like if you're committed to McKinnon, you could be committed to a lot of these guys that we're talking about as well. Uh, I, I would sooner land Bigsby because the potential. If ETM were to come out as a three-down back for the Jaguars, whereas McKinnon will never be in that spot, but McKinnon's going to get more work throughout the year. So it's, it's a a one-two punch that I'm not sure I quite have the answer for on that. Do you do you lean a certain way? Or I can post the question in the chat too, so you can actually see. Yeah, it. Bigsby went about. Uh, yeah, I missed that. Okay, there you go. I ended up. That's okay, the roster. Oh, so, oh right. So this is in reference to right. Who um, would you drop for a, a Bigsby? Uh, or even like a Deuce Vaughn who wasn't in this list, and I wouldn't like be like we're saying we could make a waiver wire move today if we want. Yes, to? yeah. Who would you who? Uh, yeah, who would you be cutting of this? I, like it's maybe Jahan Dotson, but the playing time that he got. No, I'm not cutting. Jahan and Dotson. especially with McLaurin injured. Um, I'm cutting the kicker and picking a different one up. <laughs> okay, well that's that's. A different I'm cutting scenario. the kicker, waiting for you somebody to get waiting for somebody to get hurt. Or there's some for some reason one of those other guys to be droppable. And then if it doesn't happen, um, probably like like you said, uh, let, let McKinnon go. Yeah, in a 10-team league, it might be a little bit more tricky to pull off a Tank Bigsby roster spot, but something to consider, yeah, and so no, certainly exactly. we're going to be talking about it plenty. Um, before we get to those top three rises, it's going to work from our sponsors here, Fantasy Sports Knockout. Think you know fantasy? Well, prove it. Introducing Fantasy Sports Knockout. It's a fantasy league where every week's lineup matters all season long. Fantasy Sports Knockout is the only league where skills are tested and strategy pays off. Stop losing and start surviving. Learn more at survive.fantasysportsknockout.com. Slash Rotolair. All right. Top three ADP risers. I think one shouldn't be a surprise, especially with how often mm-hmm. we've talked about. But at number three is James Cook, your yes. starting running back, it seems like, for the Bills. Yes, and that's definitely seemed to be the case, and he's proven it, and the ADP is reflecting that. Going from 78 to 72 to 62, which is a pretty significant increase at this range of the draft right here. You know, I mean, we're talking about, uh, you know, a fifth-round pick to a seventh-round pick uh, necessarily, and really it's just indicating that he's been pulling away from Damian Harris. He's been dealing with uh, knee soreness all preseason, and of course, what's the appeal here? Uh, The Bills might be the best offense in the entire National Football League. They're definitely a top-five offense in the league here. You want the starting running back there, right? Simple enough. Uh, So he's somebody that you want to go to. And in the preseason, you know, again, again, preseason, but you can kind of scope out and map out usage sometime in preseason, not necessarily focusing on the results or the stat lines, but just, you know, who's on the field with who. And what what this is telling us is that he played 87% of the snaps with the Buffalo starters last week, and he also saw the majority of red zone work. Latavius Murray was available. Latavius Murray wasn't used at all. So maybe Damian Harris gets healthy and cuts into that a little bit, but it looks like we have a clear starter in James Cook. I, um... I always liked him in the tier he was in. He's getting priced to be uh, a little high, but I actually would say he's priced at what his true value is um, at this point in time. You know, right now the tier is looking like uh, Rashad White, James Conner, Cam Akers, and James Cook, and I'm starting to think that James Cook might be the top of that list of four guys. And is Miles Sanders below that line or above it? Yeah, he's... the injury and just the general terribleness of Carolina has um, put Miles Sanders below that line. Let me take it. Yeah, and I, I think I'd rather have Miles Sanders. What I what I really don't want to have to do is draft one of these to be my running back two. Maybe maybe Connor or Sanders is my running back three. That's okay. But I, I think everyone's wrong uh, on the James Cook thing, especially the Bills. Like if James Cook is going to be your starting running back, 
the Bills are going to have a worse offense. It, it's Again, they can get the playing time, and they get all the snaps. They're playing over Latavius Murray, Damian Harris. You can be wrong. Like, the NFL team can be wrong in utilizing a player like James Cook in that facet. I think they will be. Uh, I don't know if it produces enough on a fantasy level to make do as a fifth or sixth round pick. Mm-hmm. That's that's where I'm at with James Cook. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's up to 62, but again, he just went at 75 in my last draft. I'm thrilled to get him at 75. 62 gets to be a little bit dicier. Yeah. Uh, Alvin Kamara also jumps into our list in terms of ADP risers of the past couple weeks, and obviously this is due to the suspension only missing three games. You drafted Jamal Williams. Are you hoping Jamal Williams is going to play uh, the whole duration with Kamara gone, or do you think Jamal Williams is mm-hmm. factoring in with Kamara? Because I think – Kendry Miller, who's been okay during the preseason mm-hmm. as a third-round pick, also gets playing time, and that makes me a little bit more concerned. Yeah, interesting. So I drafted Jamal Williams uh, because, one, it was below ADP, right? So there, there, there was value there to be had. Two, it was because I needed running backs, and he was the best of a bad situation and a bad tier at the time. And three, it's because, yes, there's more playing time early, but also I think he vultures touchdowns. I mean, I, maybe that was just the Detroit scheme that he vultured so many touchdowns. He's not going to match last year's touchdown total. I definitely realize that here, but he certainly proved to be plenty effective around the goal line here, and I think he can vulture some of those short yards. Over carries. under eight. Over under eight? He had 18 last year. Over under eight. Can I say eight on the dot? Okay. Uh, we Push. Can do, we, we, we can Push. do a Pulver's board, but I'll, I'll give you seven. So you're taking the over on seven. I'll, ta- I'll take over seven, sure. All right. I'll, I'll, well, we got it right here. Uncle Ted talks and the rest sees it. We have the, the mm-hmm. second Culver's board bet of the year. I'll take under seven touchdowns for Jamal Williams. I do think the Lions scheme uh, made Jamal Williams be one of the better red zone guys last year. He was good with the Packers, too. I don't want to mm-hmm. be like, I don't want to lie about this, but yeah, I do but think there was Taysom Hill Jones, you know? and the way the Aaron, or, sorry, and the way the Saints offense operates is so significantly different, especially in the red zone, than what I would anticipate the Lions or anybody else might do. I think Kamara plays and does a lot in the red zone. I think Kendry mm-hmm. Miller gets some opportunities. Jamal Williams at his ADP, which is really yep. what 10th or 11th selection, I think is is actually a trap still. Like, I'm, I'm not considering him until way way later mm-hmm. yeah no that is uh that's certainly fair enough uh, right there so so to be clear you're taking camaro well you value him well over james cook because they're within three spots of each other right now uh no I'm, i don't want camaro either I, I i think that's wrong i was getting camaro during uh our vegas draft and the vegas Superflex against a mid mid july in the 10th or 11th round i like camaro's price much more there and if i have to take a running back of the saints it's camaro but I don't like him at that price tag either. I think the ADP is also wrong uh, with Alvin Kamara, even with that three-game suspension. So Yeah, yeah, no, I can see that for sure. Um, top ADP riser, this should come as a no surprise if you've been listening to any of our podcasts or any of the RotoWire podcasts, or if you've been listening to fantasy football at all. It's it's easily the highest riser that I have seen, and it is the correct one. It's Kelvin Ridley, mm-hmm. number one target for the Jaguars, who has went almost a round, if not a little bit higher, uh, in terms of what his July and I feel like mid-July mm-hmm. ADP was specifically. Yeah, so using the same metrics, went from 41 to 32 all the way up to 27. That's NFFC. If you look at underdog, uh, I saw a tweet yesterday that he is officially a second-round pick on underdog rising. right now here. Um, so the rising is there. I believe that is appropriate. I will use a late second-round pick on Kelvin Ridley. I have no problem with that whatsoever i think this offense is going to be great i think he's going to be great he's had a year off there's no reason to, uh you know all, all the nicks and ailments that happen uh when you're an nfl player are no longer affecting calvin ridley it's the same argument we've been telling you folks all year here uh overpay for calvin ridley um and and hopefully you know again you're in a site where you're not using just the last week's adp you're using right. the whole set of their drafts adp and uh you can maybe sneak uh Calvin Ridley in the early to mid third round. If you do that, you're drafting uh, exactly right, and have already won your draft by then. I I agree that that still, especially if you're working off a previous ADP, is one of the better values. I think Calvin Ridley is going to be fantastic. The Jaguars' mm-hmm. offense, I think, is going to be really good. Certainly top ten in the league, and you look at the schedule they're going to have this season, way more conducive than any other AFC team, given that they play the NFC South. Uh, get some NFC North games as well, too, in there. Yeah, I, I love I love the Jaguars' offense. I love Calvin Ridley. I will be taking him in the second round if we have to. I, I don't want to pay that price, but if that's what we're doing, like I'm, I'm okay with that. If I took Justin Jefferson 1 or Christian McCaffrey 2, uh, getting Calvin Ridley in that turn back, yep, let's, yeah, let's go yeah. for it. Over, over the last week, Devontae Smith, T. Higgins, even Chris Olave are ranked slightly higher in ADP. I like Ridley better than all of them. So just to put this in a player perspective here. 
Oh, that, that's cool. I like Alave more than Ridley, but otherwise, yep, I'm, I'm going with Ridley as well too. I must um, like Thomas too much. I'm crazy. <laughs> Yeah, that's you're 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 to make that mistake again with DeAndre Hopkins too. That's yeah, bad yeah, veterans. I, I, I'm ready. Team. I'm ready for. I'm ready to make those two mistakes. I'm ready to not let the last the last year poison me and uh, and start fresh with a fresh outlook. So that's oh, fair enough. That anyway, that, that can be a whole other conversation. Yeah, well, I mean, we, we're we are we are <laughs> which we've had several now, times. Right. I mean, we've been doing this for uh, for for a solid month now here, filling a bunch of shows, and we're about to get into the bread and butter here. Yeah, I was going to say, we have the over-under for every single uh, team's win total next week's podcast, the week after. It's your pre-week one regular season for the NFL waiver wire talk, and then we are off and running for the rest of the season every Tuesday moving forward. We are talking best waiver wire pickups, guys, and how you're uh, meant to organize your strategy in terms of waiver wire order or budget. I mean, this is going to be covered now for the rest of the season. So we are officially at the meat and potatoes of what we do. I'm excited for it. Excited to dive into that over-under win total like we have the past couple of years have been very successful. With as much as I've talked it up, I'm sure I'm going to jinx us. I feel like the NFL is far more tumultuous than we've had in past seasons. It's not as easy, but Jake and I, well, we got you covered uh, in terms of making money, hopefully, for next, well, this this regular season. So that's next week's podcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, hopefully, you guys will tune in then as well, too. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.